You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. about the battle for your minds. Turn to Genesis chapter 4. So who's excited for 2019? See, I am so fired up for 2019. It's going to be incredible. You know, the first battle you're going to face in 2019 is a battle for your minds. And the unfortunate thing is, some of you have already lost. Because I ask people, who's excited for 2019? And some people are like, well, 2019. It's like, well, how was your 2018? It's like, well, with that mentality, what do you think is going to happen in 2019? You've already come with a defeated mindset. And I want to show you someone else who had a defeated mindset so you can learn and not be like him. Genesis 4, verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. See, Cain was depressed. His face was downcast. He had negative thinking. He wasn't happy with the way things were with his brother, with God. He had a negative mindset. And the Hebrew here for downcast, it means to fall on your face. It means to lie and to waste away. See, this is what some of us do with negative thinking. We just crawl up in the ball on the floor and we waste away. We just waste our days, our, we waste the weeks, the months, the years. They waste away because we're so depressed. Our faces are downcast. But God says here, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? The word for accepted, it means to be exalted. To be lifted up. If you do what's right, you'll be lifted up. That's pretty encouraging, right? That fires me up. And this is the thing, is that negativity is sin. Pessimism, criticality, faithlessness. And the thing is that I'm done. I'm done being negative. I've been negative too much. I did all my negativity in 2018, right? (laughs) 2018, that's, that was last year, not 2019. No, 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 I'm going to be positive this year. I'm going to have a positive mindset. I'm going to win the battle for my mind. Why? Why, why? why do I say that? Why am I so confident? We'll turn back one page, and I'll tell you why. Verse 26 of chapter 1. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish, the birds, the livestock, over all the creatures that move along the ground. God has created me in his image. God, the creator of the universe, he spoke things into existence. And I am made in his image so that I can rule. Anthony said it, to dominate over this world. To dominate over my world, to dominate over my life, to dominate the strongholds, to dominate the sin that kept me captive in 2018. I'm ready to dominate because I'm made in the image of God. What about you? It says in verse 29, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful. Who's ready to be fruitful in 2019? It says, increase in numbers, fill the earth and subdue it. 
The Hebrew word here is kabash. It means to force into bondage, to make subservient. Who's ready to enslave the sin that kept you captive last year? Who's ready to dominate your strongholds? I am ready to do it in 2019. And how are you going to do it? By believing in the word of God. By believing that you are made in God's image. By believing that he has given you the power to dominate every issue you will face this year. I want you to say something with me. 2019, my best year. Say it. 2019, my best year. You know, this is my evangelist Bible. You only get one. And I'm so confident, 2019, my best year. It's written in the front page of my Bible because I believe that God is going to do incredible things in my life this year. What about you? Do you believe it? I want you guys to go in and say this every day. I, this is going to be my best year. I don't know what God's going to do. It's going to be incredible. But I believe that I am made in God's image. I believe that God has given me the ability to overcome any obstacle that I face, whether it's with your family, whether it's with your job, whether it's with your education, whether it's with the campus, doesn't matter what it is, God has given you the ability. So let's win the battle for our minds, let's have positive thinking, and let's dominate 2019. Amen, church? Great job, Colby. Thank you so much. Um, well, I get to talk to you about the battle for purity, and I'm fired up to talk to you about this battle because I believe it's a battle we all can win. As a young Christian, I wasn't so convinced, but after 15 years in the kingdom, seeing God change my heart in radical ways, seeing God demolish the strongholds of impurity in so many other women's lives, I believe it's a battle we can win. So, you know, we just celebrated a wedding last night of Arnie and Annalisa. And, um, you know, with, when we think about weddings and engagements, what is one of the first questions we ask? Oh, let me see the ring. Can I see the ring? And so I thought about diamonds as far as purity goes. And, um, you know, we often uh, hear about celebrities getting engaged and we see these giant rings on their hands, right? And like 20 karat Kim Kardashian, it's all over the news. That's what we focus on, right? We see these incredibly stunning jewels. But for us normal people, us, the rest of the regular population uh, that may not get a 20 karat ring, um, what, is, what does it come down to when getting this ring? It's how much you're willing to pay. If we can understand this concept with diamonds, what makes us think our purity will come at any less of a cost? Often we can be convinced that a cubic zirconia is just as good as the real thing. And we think, oh yeah, that's fine. I can, I can settle for that. But that sense of um, purity that we think, oh, if I just kind of do the bare minimum, that's not the real thing. We cannot be faked out by the facade of purity that the world sells us, this lie that, oh, well, I'm not having sex, so it's okay. Oh, I'm not doing what they're doing, so it's okay. You know, I'm just thinking it. That's all. It's just thoughts, so it's okay. We would not walk into battle with a fake gun, would we? We want the real thing. <laughs> so if we're going to talk about purity, we don't want fake, superficial purity. We want the real thing. Well, let me tell you about diamonds. The clarity of a diamond is judged under 10 times magnification. 10 times. So if I were to magnify you 10 times, 
your thoughts, your attitudes, your actions, if I were to put them under a microscope, would your purity prove genuine? Would it pass the test? We have got to be women that go deeper, that we don't just settle for shallow, superficial purity, like looking a certain way or, or pretending things are okay, but that we value the purity of our hearts before God, that we truly desire a clean heart before God, not just being righteous, but desiring to be pure, desiring it, wanting purity. It starts in the heart, as so many people have already shared. Um, but impurity is described as an undesirable element or substance commonly or naturally contained in something that lowers the thing's quality or value. Depending on its amount, it may or may not make it unfit for its intended use. Impurity can cause us to be unfit for our true purpose. And as disciples, we know what our purpose is. And we want to accomplish it in 2019. Impurity will wipe that out. So before God, we need to be pure women and men. What makes us impure? Anger, bitterness, physical impurity or immorality, selfishness, insecurity, hatred, discontentment, greed, and so much more. Honestly, I think that the two things that, that really expose our impure hearts uh, are money and love. <laughs> Those things bring out all, like everything in our heart just comes out when it comes to relationship, when it comes to our finances. And, um, you know, they just, they expose the selfishness or the selflessness really quick. But we've got some incredible opportunities ahead of us in 2019. Uh, we've got our pledge drive coming up um, and we've all been talking about that. And <laughs> it is. Uh, but we have an opportunity to really increase our weekly giving. I guarantee that it's going to expose some impurities as we fight to give more. It's going to draw out hearts really quick. But I want to ask you, are you willing to pay the price to see Europe evangelized? Are you willing? Do you want to see a 24-carat church in Amsterdam? Huh? <laughs> Come on, Amsterdam. It's not easy. We're going to have to pay a price. Do you want to see a discipling movement throughout Europe, in Germany, in Manchester, in Ireland? Do we want to see that? And are we willing to pay the price and fight the fight for that? Um, I think, you know, as far as purity goes and just in another area of opportunity, uh, where it's going to cost everything is really in our daily lives, in our, the purity of our relationships. As singles in campus especially, let's make this a year of dating. Let's make this a year that we have fun together, that we build memories, that we bond, that we connect with one another on a personal level. You know, dates in the kingdom, that's how we keep each other pure. That's where we build relationships. Uh, we're not there to just find our perfect match or, you know, get our personal selfish needs met. We're there to protect one another. We all have battles in the world. We all go through it, and we need to know we have a brother, a sister that's there for us, that loves us, that's willing to encourage us in a pure way. Let's not be selfish. Let's be focused on inspiring and encouraging one another. Let's look at a couple of scriptures really quickly. Um, we already talked about 2 Corinthians 10.5. The battle starts in our heart. But I want to encourage you with Psalm 119, 9 through 11. That says the, the word is what helps us keep our way pure. It's God's word. How well do you know the word of God? 
And is it, uh, are you equipped to use it in battle? If you're not, make it a goal this year to get to know your battle. Uh, or get to know your word, your Bible, sorry. And in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Um, as was already discussed, let's be open. If we can do this, I believe we will all become incredible examples, not just to each other, but really to the world who needs an example of purity. Not just that cubic zirconia fake stuff, but we will be true, flawless diamonds because we've paid the price and we've fought the fight for our purity. Thank you. Amen. Good evening, sisters. It's great to see you guys. I'm so fired up to be sharing with you about the battle of rationalization and temptation. So what does it mean, rationalization? So according to the Oxford Dictionary, rationalization refers to the um, act of attempting to explain or justify a behavior or an attitude with logical reasons, even if these reasons are not appropriate. So I read it, and I read it again because I didn't understand. And the only way I really got to grips with it was with looking at examples, biblical examples, and there was a pattern everyone rationalized. You know, Adam and Eve, Noah, Achan, you have Judas, Peter, so many people struggled with rationalizing. And if you go back and study this out, you'll be surprised at the patterns that are there. So let's go straight into it. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Amen. Gen Genesis chapter 3, and we'll read verse 1. We'll go from verse 1. It said, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. We know from this point on, Eve eats. She shares, she shares with Adam, and God comes into the scene, and he basically questions them. And um, in verse 12, Adam says, the man says, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Rationaliza rationalization caused the fall of man at the very beginning. And if we're not careful, it will cause the fall of us as disciples. Rationalization, literally, sir, Satan appealed to Eve's mind. Satan appealed to Eve's logic. Instead of looking at the heart behind God's instruction, he looked at the wording of the instruction. And Eve was probably thinking, you know, it's just one tree. One tree. What's one tree going to do, really? Or, you know, God surely wants me to see and know and be like him and be aware. And it, it got me thinking about things I've said and things that we tend to hear and just dismiss, you know. Things like, if, if that sister did it, then surely I can as well. Things like, I've been in 10 studies today, I do not need to share my faith. That is literally justifying, that is explaining away sin, and it is dangerous, and it is an act of Satan. And we need to have that conviction that when we rationalize, the minute we start justifying our actions, the minute we think too much, we're falling into a satanic trap. <laughs> and 
And ultimately, there's so many effects to rationalization, you know, many of them. The first one, you're not broken about your sin if you rationalize it. Adam and Eve, they were, they were upset that they got kicked out of the garden, but we didn't see a brokenness about their sin. Why? Because Adam was like, God, it was your fault. You placed this woman with me. Um, Eve said it was the serpent. No one was broken about what they had done. And if we're not broken, we're not going to change. And if we're not going to change as disciples, we become mediocre. We become disciples who don't want to change, who don't want to do anything because we're constantly justifying our actions. We're constantly explaining away the tendencies that we have. Another thing is you make God out to be a liar. Literally, rationalization is you picking your mind over the word of God because you're choosing to explain things the way you see it as opposed to the way God has set it out in his word. And, and in Job, it's, it says... In Job, when um, God finally speaks, when he speaks to Job in chapter 40, he says, shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? Will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be justified? We contend against God when we rationalize our actions. And ultimately, in overcoming rationalization, we can look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, where it seems of confessing our sin. Confess your sin. He's faithful, unjust, and will forgive us confess it. I was late because I honestly didn't want to be here and I'm tired and confess it. Be real. You need to be real. Otherwise, unconfessed sin, God says if we confess our sin, he'll forgive us. Unconfessed sin is unforgiven sin if we think about it. And we need to really go after making sure we're open. We're open with our disciples. We're open with our brothers, our sisters, our co-leaders, all of these people we need to have a heart to be open and real with them. I really want to encourage you all to study out rationalization and look at the big characters in the Bible and really go over it because you will be shocked at what you find, at how many times people did this. But let 2019 be a year where we cling more to God's word than we do to our mind. And to God be the glory. Amen. Good evening, church. The title of my lesson, The Battle on Campus, and I have one point. It's all about perspective. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Are you guys with me this evening? Are you guys ready to change? Amen. I remember being a part of the London School of Economics Bible Talk. I was on campus with the Olmoses and I felt intimidated for three reasons. I felt that these students were smarter than me, they were more talented, and that eventually they would make more money than I would. And I felt like I was very, very inadequate. And then one sister came up to me and said, bro, it's all about perspective. And that is my one point this evening, it's all about perspective. 1 Timothy 2 verse 3, it says, This is good and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. In the Greek, the phrase for coming to a knowledge of the truth can be equated to this. It's personally comprehending a fitting form of knowledge through first-hand experience. What does this mean? You can be saved, but not fully comprehend what you have been saved from. 
Leave these three sayings in 2018. I'm not talented enough. I don't know enough. And I'm too young or too old for campus ministry. <laughs> campus students, listen to me. Campus students spend three years on knowledge that won't save them. A philosophy degree will not teach you how to raise your children. Psychology will not save you from anxiety or depression. And an engineering degree will not engineer some way of you getting a wife one day or a husband. It just won't work. I got a, show, I got a story for you guys. Before the holidays, um, I had a, a chat with my eldest sister. And uh, in the world, she would be considered a spiritual counselor. But we are the true spiritual counselors, amen? She told me about this one person who came to her. It was a, a social worker. And this social worker said this. She said, one of the things that we often do is we place bets. What sort of bets, you might be asking. She said that there was this one woman that kept coming into their, their clinic who was on the verge of suicide and had been coming so often and had been saying, I think I'm going to, I'm going to kill myself so often that they started to place bets about when she was actually going to die. True story. These are the, this is how the world is going to treat young people. When we go up millennials, our generation is very weak. Characteristically, we don't know how to handle life. We don't know how to handle anxiety or depression. We don't know. That's why we need the Word of God. A hundred years ago, young men and women joined the army out of two things, duty and responsibility. But now the army is struggling in the UK because millennials have no sense of duty and would rather desire personal gain instead. One question. In this room, who are your spiritual children? What do I mean? What are the, who are the men and women in this room that share your convictions? Maybe you've baptized someone, but are they your spiritual child? Do they share your very convictions? In the battle for the campus, let's make disciples, not expendable soldiers. Here's my challenge. In your D times, inspire those you are leading to develop deeper convictions about the first principles. Better than the first principles app. You need to have stronger convictions than your smartphone. Don't let your smartphone have deeper convictions than yours. I want to share something that I've been doing with the guys that I disciple. We call it spiritual sparring, okay? And I got this concept because uh, Chris, he's, uh, he does boxing in uni. So I used that to inspire him. I said, okay, I'm going to teach you three spiritual concepts. I'm going to teach you a spiritual headshot, a spiritual body shot, and a spiritual bob and weave, basically ducking. A headshot is when you challenge someone with the word of God. A body shot is when you show someone this is what the Greek and the Hebrew says. And bobbing and weaving is avoiding random questions that campus students are going to give you because they're smoke screens for disobedience. This, this is what we've got to do in the campuses this year. We've got to inspire people. Why? Because if we don't inspire people, they're going to get it from the world and it's going to kill them. One of my best friends in the world, he is a, he's a master's graduate from Queen Mary, okay? 
Here's the crazy thing. Uh, he has an incredible job, probably earning about 27, 28,000 a year right now. Ha he's already paying off his mortgage. We've got a very, very nice, I've been to his house. Very, very nice. Lives a very nice lifestyle. But earlier last year, um, he went to a club one time, and one of his friends uh, uh, got their drink spiked and nearly died at the scene. And he was partially blamed for it. I look at that and I'm like, wow, this guy's got everything somebody could want. They've got the degree, they've got the mortgage, they've got the money, but they don't have the word of God. And you never know what Satan is going to do to destroy campus students. He could have died. The person he was with could have died. And going into this year, I realized, wow, every single year is precious. How about you? I'm going to leave you with this. The battle for the next generation comes down to a simple eye test. God will succeed, but only our chance to be with him is when sin is no longer the foundation of our perspective. Let's not go into this year with the same sins that we did last year. Let's make a genuine change in the campuses amongst the young people. Don't say to yourself, I'm too old, I can't change somebody. I sat down with a, a brother, Avado, from, who leads the Albuquerque Church. And we both agreed on the same thing. We were both uh, uh, baptized around 15, 16. And we said that our biggest influence was the older generation. And that is my personal conviction. That the older generation is the key to changing the campuses today. Why do I say that? We don't have fathers and mothers that taught us real convictions, how to handle real suffering and real change. We don't have that. We need you guys. The remnant, we need you. The remnant need, the campus need the veterans. We need you guys, we need change. But here's the thing, this has got to be all of our conviction. This is going to be every single one of our conviction in this room. Like I said, don't make expendable soldiers. Everyone I baptize, I want to make sure they have my very convictions. It's not about just baptizing disciples. No, it's about baptizing sons and daughters. That you can say, this is my son of who I am well pleased. This is my daughter. She teaches what I teach everywhere in every church. Let's leave this year fruitful, but not merely fruitful, with many, many kids. And to God be all the glory. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H dot org dot U-K. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Mm -hmm.